Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Multi-Site Masters podcast. This is the podcast series that explores the art of leading and growing multi-site businesses, especially in the hospitality and retail sectors. So my name is Lee Sheldon and I'll be your host for today's episode. I'm also co-founder of the MMU Training and Development Consultancy, in which we're dedicated to helping managers achieve consistent operational excellence, leading to sustained superior performance. So, Sean, thank you. Welcome to our latest episode of the Multi-Site Masters. Uh, I said that I feel like I'm kind of coming back to my blockbuster video roots here today by <laughs> the fact we're talking. It's going to be a blockbuster episode, I'm sure. The fact we're talking about movies. So, Sean, yeah. welcome to Multi-Site Masters. Thank you. Thank you for coming. It is a fascinating time. Now, to date, this podcast is actually the day after the Star Wars premiere in London of yeah. The Rise of Skywalker, which was held at the Cineworld Theatre in it was. Empire Square. What was that like? Sean? Oh, it was magical. It was absolutely magical. Disney did such a good job setting the scene, creating the atmosphere. Uh, you know, we had all of the cast members that were well, most of the cast, cast members there. Uh, Bob Iger from Disney joined us as wow. well. So uh, it was absolutely buzzing. And Leicester, our Leicester Square Cinema is, uh, you know, newly refurbished. So, you know, all glitzed out for Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very happy faces going in. I have to say, whatever you've done in that IMAX screening there is just superb. So best sound, best best pitch quality. Uh, he's not paying me to say that, but no, it's absolutely no, fantastic. Know, it's it's, it's very wait. true. It's the one thing that, you know, the, the bookings for Star Wars for IMAX for that screen is yeah. the first thing to sell out. But it is a laser IMAX, that one as well. And it is one of the biggest screens in the UK. So it is, it is the place to watch Star Wars, to be fair. Great. Well, I shall be doing so several times, no doubt. <laughs> now, you said two words, atmosphere and experience, in that little intro there. And I think we'll be coming back to that a lot during this conversation. Um, I think it would be useful, though, just for the audience to know a little bit more about you. So maybe yeah. a bit of a potted history, 90 seconds, who, short journey. 90-second history. Right, well, I started in cinema when I was 14 years old. I pestered the local uh, Odeon manager, which was uh, in a cinema rill in North Wales, actually. So I ended up working there for nothing to start with. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's where my sort of cinema career, I worked as a projectionist and a team member and selling the popcorn and making the popcorn and uh, worked on from there. So I stayed in cinema for a while. I then moved on to live theatre for about three years where we had live theatre and cinema. That, but my, my heart was with cinema in mm -hmm. fairness. And uh, I then joined uh, Cinema back in 2001 where I've been ever since. So I was there as a general manager and then worked my way through the ranks to, to where I am today. Fantastic. I didn't realise you were literally born and bred in you know, cinema. Oh, yeah. Movies is your, yeah, your blood. Absolutely. Uh, I will have to ask you later on what your favourite movie is. We'll, <laughs> we'll come back to that. I'll give you time to think about it. Okay. Obviously, this is the Multi-Site Masters podcast, and obviously you have multiple sites. So could you give us a little bit of context to the scale of the business in the UK, but also globally? Yeah, so, so Cityworld, we've held the market share in the UK for the last four years. So we're number one in the market. We're, we have 102 cinemas now. We've just opened two, one in Warrington, one in York. Um, yeah, so we're one of the bigger players uh, in the UK. Yeah. And globally, you operate in multiple countries. Yeah, so, so 10 countries, and uh, we've just recently bought, uh, or we're just in the process of acquiring Cineplex in Canada. Wow. Um, and of course, we've got Regal Cinemas in the, in the US as well. And then we operate under a few other names um, Cinema City um, in uh, yeah, Poland, Czechoslovakia. And Israel, we've got cinemas as well. Wow, so truly a, a multi-global brand. Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Now, thinking about the cinema industry, I think it would be easy for people to be listening to this thinking, well, uh, our cinema's going to survive because there's so many multiple competing platforms yeah. now. Yeah. Um, mobile devices, we can watch things on our phones, we can obviously stream things live, we can download, etc. So what are, if we think about kind of a SWATs for the business, I would imagine this may be some of the threats that are going on. Yeah. But what yeah. would you say, if we start with the strengths first, what would you say some of the strengths you think of your brand? I think some of the strengths of our brand is, is you know, our motto is that we, we you know, cinema is the best place to watch a movie. We want our customers to come and see a movie in the format of choice. We want them to see um, it in modern, um, a modern environment with great service. Um, and um, as I say, you know, the latest technology, which is what we've heavily invested in the last few years. You seem to have, as someone looking at cinema, always been interested in myself in cinema, uh, really been at the forefront of innovations. Um, yes. And there's yeah. two things I wanted to ask. The You call it the unlimited, the cinema with unlimited deal. That yeah. felt like you were the first business cinema exhibitor to do that. Yeah. Is that true? And also 4DX, that seems to be another example of how yeah. you kind of led the way. So for those who are maybe not aware, yeah, maybe yeah, explain yeah. what 4DX is. So, so when we started with, 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 with Cineworld in the early days, we, we purchased a company called UGC Cinemas. UGC Cinemas had the subscription card already. Right. So we sort of adopted that. So that's where the unlimited membership grew from. Um, Regal had the same now, so that was launched this year. So, right. so they have a, a similar subscription service in the US. Um, yeah, the 4DX, we were, we were looking at a number of options. So we looked at uh, D-Box. So D-Box is where you put us a number of seats in your auditorium, but they just move. Um, and then we came across 4DX from uh, South Korea. Um, it was a tried and tested format, although it wasn't widely adopted across the world at that yeah. point. And uh, we saw something in it there. We really saw that this is a, this is a game changer. Um, so we very quickly jumped on board uh, with 4DX and uh, we've now got 29 actually in the UK and we've got some more planned as well so it's 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 one of the fastest selling out formats you yeah. know when a film is released people want to see it in you know IMAX 4DX um, and we're very very happy with the results very very happy with the results the feedback for 4DX has been terrific and for those who haven't experienced it, 4DX, your seat moves, you get kind of the sensory experience, smells, yes. wind, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's, there's some, uh, I must take you back to some backstage actually, if you like, to show you how, how we do it all. But yeah, there is a, uh, there's formulas that mix different smells for different things, whether it's burning wow. rubber or roses or the sea. Um, and that comes out throughout the film. We've got snow, we've got wind, we've got um, snow, wind, uh, fog, we've got <laughs> uh, uh, rain, you know, um, and of course, then we've got the moving seats, and there's various yeah. things in the seats, such as tickler sticks, little <laughs> air pockets that blow things at you at the right moment. But you know, it's not a roller coaster ride. It yeah. really, you forget you're sort of in it because you sort of get immersed in it once the film starts. It's mm. quite subtle, and it's uh, you know you just forget you're in a moving seat. It just actually um, really sort of immerses you in the film. And this goes back to the experience piece again, Absolutely. which makes you stand out. Absolutely, Absolutely. Yes. Okay, yeah. I know sometimes putting the microscope on you know, the challenges of a brand is always hard when you're looking yeah. at yourself, but what do you think are some of the things, I, I, I don't know if it's worst weaknesses, but in terms of a weakness, you think we've got to get better at this, what might that be, do you think? Um, I, I would absolutely say, I think there's always room for improvement on service. Service delivery yeah. for me is, 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 is number, number one, really. That with technical innovation, comfort, security, and safety, 
but the service experience, I think there's always ways you can look at improving. You know, it's always great to see what other people are doing uh, across the world in different industries. Yeah. Um, you know, to see how, you know, what ways we can do. We've got a working group that looks at, um, at service delivery as well. So we've got a big project next year. Actually, our conference is all going to be focused around um, service delivery. I mean, I can certainly see, uh, in fact, my local cinema, I had mentioned to Sean before, uh, is in Crawley in Surrey. And I believe the manager there, my manager of the year he recently. Did, and it doesn't surprise me because the service, yeah. compared to so many other cinemas I've been in, is just chalk and cheese. Yes. They seem to like movies in, yes. in Crawley, which is kind of obvious, really, but yeah. not what you get everywhere else. Well, we've got a great um, sort of customer service platform, if, if you like. We use Ransom Rave. Um, so the feedback that we get in, you know, is not from mystery shoppers. This mm. is like, this is true feedback coming directly from the customer, mm. which means that each of the cinema has a live, a live portal, if you like, so they can, uh, they can measure their you know, customer satisfaction scores uh, instantly, daily. They can keep track of it. Um, this has really sort of helped us, um, you know, improve our standards, you know, focus on areas that we think we can, we can do a little bit better at. Um, not to go too, uh, we'll come back to opportunities and threats in a moment, but that's yeah. interesting you talk about this, the ransom rate, the live data. Is that a real key KPI for you? Absolutely. For the business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, 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 you know, the cinema teams are measured on this as well. Right, okay. You know, along with, I mean, this sits really closely with staff engagement as well. So we spend an awful lot of time on, on staff engagement. We know there's a, de a direct correlation between staff engagement and service standards, you know, um, results that come through. Yeah. So we're really, really pleased now that we've got these two working in harmony together and we've got some really good sort of KPIs that, that show us where the balance needs correcting. Fab, we'll come back to that staff engagement bit but later on to understand some of the things you're doing to develop people as well. Opportunities and threats, I'll say I mentioned what's going on out there in the streaming world. Uh, recently we've seen movies coming to the Netflix and Amazon yeah. really quickly after mm. being available in the, in the the pictures for what appears to be two weeks, so the window seems to be under threat. What other things do you think might be a threat or an opportunity for you in the future as a, as a business? Yeah, well, on the threats, it's quite interesting on the streaming market because, you know, people seem to be moving towards multiple streaming packages, whether it's Netflix, Amazon Prime. Um, is this affecting cinema admissions? I mean, it goes back to the old days of, you know, where they said VHS would kill the cinema and DVDs would kill the cinema. It's never really happened. You know, cinema's always been there. People still want to get out of their homes and do it. So I think, uh, I sort of have a different view, really. I think people who are streaming regularly and really into movies are still going to go and want to watch Star Wars and 4DX and IMAX and still got, you know, they're still going to want to get out of the house mm. and go and have a good experience in a cinema. What do you think when you look at some of your uh, competitors, and not necessarily just in cinema, maybe in, in live entertainment as yeah. well, are there things going on out there you think that's a, a trend for the future, that's something we want to kind of think, how do we make that work in the in our industry? Um, yeah, I mean, certainly around um, sort of live streaming, live streaming of events, I think it's still in sort of the early stages now. You know, we've got some historic uh, stuff like, you know, the National Opera and things like that. Uh, a national theatre going on, but I think there's more that can be done to sort of immerse our teams in in, in, in that sort of environment. So, so last year we sort of introduced ScreenX, which is the a new technology again run what? by the same people who do 4DX. What's ScreenX? So ScreenX is where the um, film is projected on the front screen, and periodically through the film, 
the image comes onto the side walls as well, so oh, wow. it envelopes you around. So it's okay. made by the same people who make uh, 4DX. And, um, you know, we played the Bohemian Rhapsody in there as an example. Yeah. And it was an incredible experience to see, um, you know, the crowd surrounding the audience in the auditorium. I can imagine so, the Live Aid sequence exactly, would have been amazing. Exactly. Yeah. So you could see how maybe in the future something like that might, might, might come into it. Um, so, certainly for cinemas, I think, sort of conferencing, things like that, more uh, you know, gaming conferences, it is sort of coming more into cinema exhibition. Yeah. All again in its infancy, but but creates opportunities. Okay. Now, you're in charge of operations. Uh, yes. We talk about operational excellence a lot. What does it mean to you? Those two words, operational excellence. Operational excellence means to me, if I was to sum it up, it is oh, consistency in standards. You know, hiring the right people every time. You know, the the, the mistakes I see across businesses is always comes back to whether you've had the right people or not, and whether you've um, trained those people, trained them well, and equally whether they fully understand your expectations um, of what you're trying to deliver as well. And at Cinemal, this is what we spend a lot of time on with our people. Um, you know, we uh, you know we follow companies such as Disney, and we look at what Disney do in their theme parks, and it's the sort of same ethos that we 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 are we are trying to deliver. But that's certainly one of the bigger challenges. For for us is getting that consistency, getting the right people. I know Sean is a, a fan, as am I, of a previous guest on the podcast, Lee Cockrell. Yeah, and absolutely. I remember asking Lee on, on the, in the interview, you know, how does he do it? They are consistent, as you rightly yeah. said. And he said, well, Lee, it's the C word, of which I was a bit concerned for a second. <laughs> and then he said, clarity. It starts with clarity. Absolutely. Uh, how does that translate to what you guys need to do? Listen, this is why I completely relate to Lee yeah. in, in a lot of what he does. He's absolutely right. It's clarity of expectations. It's follow through. It's consistency. It's walking the walk as well. You know, it's so important that our general managers walk the walk. I think Lee tells yeah. a really good story about one of the ones in the Marriott Hotel where he walked the floors and was... Um, you know, on standards and, and sort of really drilling it into the team, the expectations, but by, by doing it yeah. as well. You've got to role model it. You've got to role model it and you've, got to role, and you've got to live it all the time. You have to role model it all the time. But equally, it can't just be beating with a stick. You know, you've got to encourage, you've got to offer, you've got to appreciate people, appreciate people who are doing really good service for you and reward them accordingly as well. Again, going back to Lee, he talked about there has to be a consequence, a consequence of getting it right, the recognition, yes. the appreciation, as well as a consequence of getting it wrong. You know, corrective feedback, coaching when you need to. Absolutely. Um, it's got to be both, but too, too often it's just one of them. Often it's they've done something wrong. Performance yeah. management means they've done something wrong. And yes. Performance management out of the business is what I hear a lot. And yeah. very rarely is performance management, I find, used as it's actually a positive. Yes. You're developing good to be even better. Yeah. Uh, it's a real challenge. What do you think, uh, if there was one thing you think you do well when it comes to hiring team members to make sure you get the right people? Because you said hiring the right people is really what Philip Yes. Was. What would that one, maybe it's two things that you think you do really well getting the right people? Well, it's quite interesting, really, because people often ask us that, you know, what type of people do we hire? And, mm. uh, you know, are we taking on people who are just interested in films and, uh, you know, interested in the business? But for me, it's attitude, behaviour every time. You know, it's 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 seeing that. I remember back when I was a kid, you know, when I was 14 and that general manager gave me an opportunity, saw something in me that, that I was inspired by what he was doing and I wanted to be part of that. And I 
you know, I gave my time, I gave my energy, I was positive thinking, and I look for that in people now. I look for that spark, you know. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and we give the opportunities, you know, we, we, we promote heavily from within. Mm. So we encourage people to, 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 you know, make that step onto the next level and we help them along that journey. And, uh, you know, many of our top people in the company now started off as, you know, cinema rushes years ago. Mm. Um, what's a kind of a, a, a typical structure? If there is such a thing as a typical yeah, cinema, yeah. what kind of structure do you have? Adam? Did you, is it general manager? Yeah, so, manager? Um, so it depends. We have sort of various complexities of cinema. So, mm. you know, the biggest being a complexity one, for example, uh, where you'd have a general manager, a deputy general manager, then you'll have cinema managers, and then you'll have team leaders. Right. And then you've got the team members. So uh, we don't have sort of projectionists anymore in, in that sort of format. All the teams are sort of multi-skilled, multi-trained in all of the areas. Uh, you know, we think that's really, really important as well yeah. because it, you know, it's not only good for us, but it helps their career as well. That like we're not pigeoning them holding into a specific thing. We're giving them, you know, training and development in all areas, all aspects of the business, which helps them grow to move into a, you know, general manager and a regional manager role. And you, you mentioned that I think behaviour attitude is the key thing, and do we only employ people who are uh, film lovers? Um, how much is it important from a product knowledge perspective that people are interested in movies? Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, interest in films and uh, movies is, is is clearly very important, specifically yeah. when you you know you give customers advice about films and things. But but the the behaviours and the attitude is so important. You know, the you know being positive, coming to work and enjoying it, and being being happy in what you, I mean, we're in the movie business, so it's, uh, you know, it is quite a, you know, we're not in the insurance business, so it's quite a, a you know, a nice business to be in. Um, but um, yeah, the, the film knowledge is very, very important, and the staff get very, very well briefed. You know, there's a lot of information that gets sent out over forthcoming releases, you know, when they are, the formats that they're in as well. Yeah, I, again, so much of this resonates for me as my old career blockbuster many years ago. Yeah. yeah we were in the movie business, and as yeah. you say, people don't come to a cinema or in those days a blockbuster store almost begrudgingly. They come to get entertainment, to be yes. entertained for a few hours, uh, maybe get some popcorn and ice cream to take home in a video store, but in here, it's that immersion yourself in a movie for a couple of hours, whether that's yeah. 40X or whatever. And to have staff who realise that and want to be part of it, um, this is probably, a, I'm probably going to get sued now for saying this, but I used to have kind of a, a criteria when I interviewed people, which is if they hadn't seen Jaws, Star Wars, or Razor Lost Ark, I didn't employ them. Now, they could not like them, and I don't know how you could not like any of those movies, but if you haven't seen them, yeah. and you want to work in the video industry or yeah. movie, sorry, bye. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, please don't sue me for uh, anyone I didn't give a job to in the past. <laughs> But you've got to have an under, a, yeah. a love of cinema, I suppose. Well, we do the same, actually. So, <laughs> okay. so, oh, so, 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 so one of the questions is, they come in, is you know, what, what was your favourite film? Yeah. When was the last time did you go to a cinema? So so these are sort of questions that you know we ask as, as you know, part of the interview process anyway, really, just to see whether... My, yeah. my favourite answer to that question, when I used to answer it, was this yeah. guy looked at me and went, no, I don't go to the cinema. I get everything on pirate. And I was yes. like, I'm not sure that's the answer you should have given me. <laughs> but uh, he didn't get the job, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, so we talked about the, the having the right people and the importance of selecting them. Yes. What are some of the things you do to develop and to engage your teams in what you're trying to achieve with the customer yeah. experience? So we, we carry out engagement surveys across the business anyway and measure them um, um, you know, consistently through the year. Um, 
and we do various um, you know, things to engage our teams, whether it's you know private showings, whether it's uh, you know surprise and delight, or you know friends and family. We just funny enough, we've just oh, done right, a Christmas right. actually, so we've done a friends and family night for a Christmas film. Yeah, you know we've thrown a load of pizza in, and you know and uh, you know have a family fun day basically. Yeah. you know so we do lots of we do lots of engaging stuff like that. You know um, you know staff rooms are all. Um, nothing to do with work. They're a relaxing area where you know people can go and you know, there's fruit and there's you know food and TV and things like that. Yeah. So we try to keep that as a separate area so they've you know got chill out space. Um, and then each of the cinemas have got the subgroups of um, uh, you know work working groups if you like local working groups. And then we share the best practice. Then you see so where we see a good a good idea in another yeah. cinema, we think it could work anywhere else. It gets rolled out. Yeah. You know, one of my uh, mentors, a guy called Bob Heverton, uh, talks about this. Be clear about what is good practice, and be clear about what is best practice. That is kind of non-negotiable. And he said, too often operators don't make that distinction. So you think this is going to be rolled out everywhere, and it's like that's is a non-negotiable standard. And then the other person thinks, well, if I want to do it, I will. But if I don't, I don't have to. Yeah. And it's important to be clear what is negotiable and what isn't. No, this needs to be yes. in place. But always start with know why. Yes, that, 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 that is actually a really, really good point that you raise there. And, um, you know, with things like health and safety, fire safety, security, mm. where we have lots of best practice from within the industry and also through, you know, our, our trade body, you know, the UKCA, yeah. um, which is sort of the sort of governing exhibition authority in the UK, where there's a lot of best practice shared there. Those are sort of non-negotiable, yeah. you know. Um, and then there's a lot of best practice around engaging our customers, you know, um, uh, autism screenings, you know, offering things to the community, doing things in the community that yeah. that uh, really put cinema at the heart of, uh, you know, their town, if you like. I've noticed also you have things for customers, you know, to take your picture with a statue of a movie or that kind of thing. So yeah. you're trying to, it feels like you're trying to make the actual experience, just going in, getting your ticket, getting your popcorn, a bit yes. more interesting than just yeah, doing Yeah, absolutely. That. And funny enough, I've just put an order in now for... <laughs> Exactly that. Another uh, hundred and ninety statues that we're going to be distributing across the cinema. So oh, you know, wow. we've got Iron Man, we've got the Hulk. You know, it's all part of the experience. I mean, I remember the first time I ever went to the cinema and what I was doing. I can remember the smell. I can remember the service that I received at the time. And I want our, you know, people coming into the cinema who haven't been for a long time to to do that. I want the experience to start before they even got in the front door. You know, from booking their ticket online. I want the anticipation, the build up when they arrive at the car park and then when they walk in our cinemas, you know, that's what's important to me. It isn't just about the film, it's about the whole experience end to end. And uh, as a customer of Cineworld myself, I've certainly been receiving those emails, you know, how do we do? And yes. the, the opportunity, was it rant and rave? That's it, described? yes, yeah. yeah. And that's a good thing, so there's nothing fudged. You yeah. know, this is genuine feedback and, and, and the great thing about, about this is it gives us what we call inside clouds. So if there's specific pockets of activity, whether it's about the seating or the service or the temperature, we can be very, very quickly on it because it's all live data. Um, yeah. Well, you mentioned, I can't show your age here now, but what was that first film that you saw? My first film, wow. My first film, it was actually The Fox and the Hound. Oh, okay. Or was it Condor Man? It might have been Condor Man. <laughs> Disney's Condor Man. Disney's Michael Condor, Michael, Ke Michael, Michael Crawford. Crawford. Oh, God. It probably was, actually. Yeah, but we're both and, similar um, age, about 25, yeah? Yeah. 
and the big one was that like because Star Wars was seventy seven and then yeah. it was yeah just after and then of course it was E T and you know my favourite for you know Goonies Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. Indiana Jones I've got all those original posters at home actually all living back on my <laughs> office wall there you know those are sort of the memorable films we just released Gremlins so we had Gremlins this year so that's one of my favourite films yeah. So, uh, so Warner Brothers had that redone for 4DX uh, this oh, year. Oh, okay. Well, that must have been fun. And uh, it was great fun. Yeah, very nostalgic for mm. people of my age, you know, to come in and see that. So, again. I, interesting. I've also attended things, uh, Secret Cinema. And I went to their event this year, the James Bond one. Uh, they did uh, Sky, not Sky, called Casino Royale. Casino Royale. That was an amazing, amazing night. And it, for me, it was like 80 pounds, I think, the ticket. Yeah. But you think, I'm paying 80 pounds to see a movie I've seen God knows how many times. But it's the experience, it's experience. Again, and what goes on before. Now, I appreciate you can't replicate those kind of things in yeah. every screen. Yeah. But do you so? Do you think that's a trend? These kind of pop-up cinemas, backyard cinema, I've seen again, where it's all about the experience. Do you see that becoming more prevalent? Yeah, certainly. And I think certainly for us, you know, when we're sort of building new cinemas now, you know, we are really considering it is about it's about the comfort, of, you know, of our of our customers when they're watching a film. The you know the rake of the auditorium, the leg spacing, the type of seating, you know you'll notice that you know we don't put recliners in everywhere. You know mm. we, I don't want we don't want our customers to come in and fall asleep. We want them to enjoy the film in a really sort of comfortable seat. Yeah, you know, yeah. and you know we spend a lot of time and investment looking at various seats, and we try different things across the board. And I think we've got it about right, really. Um, but yeah, the the whole experience from beginning to end, from when you toilets again. Yeah. Really, Big bugbear of mine, going into a place, the toilets have got to be spot on. So we spend an awful lot of time, you know, with the design concepts of those as well. Again, I feel like we, we ping pong so much in these podcasts to Disney. And I think there's there's a reason for that, because they do it so well. They do. But that everything speaks yes. phrase that they use. And they cut the everything from the customer journey, from the moment you get anywhere near Disney World to the moment you leave, everything yeah. matters. And that, that, for me, it sounds like the customer journey is quite well mapped out here of what it should look like. Is yes. that the case? Absolutely it is. Yeah, absolutely. We spend an awful lot of time on, you know, looking at that customer journey, looking when we get it wrong, mm. you know, looking at our customer flow, looking at when cinemas are going in, when they're coming out, looking at our stock levels, you know, making sure the right people are in the right place. Um, you know, there's a lot of time and effort that goes on in the background preparing for busy periods, whether it's stalls or other, to make sure customers aren't... Um, you know, upset when a film's cancelled because the maintenance wasn't done properly or, you know, or, you know, the stock wasn't ordered on time. So there's an awful lot of prep work that goes into particularly big releases of films and holiday periods. Yes, yeah, so you just made, brought a memory back of watching The Phantom Menace in America and the film snapped oh, halfway through. God. So, uh, yes, there wasn't, I wasn't a happy bunny that day. Um, I remember the days of the projections where we used to do where, where we used to do interlock as they called it. So you would run it through one projector, yeah. a thirty-five mil. It would go halfway across the projection room into another projector, and then into a wow. third projector. Then when you get a snap, now that's <laughs> yes. very stressful. I can see why people have moved to digital projection. Yes, yeah, yeah. I get that. Um, the customer journey, that that the moments of truth concept, and trying to identify in each moment where we engage with the guests, yeah. what does that look like? I often I've worked with from my MMU consultancy perspective with companies to help identify that, and I think the mistake we sometimes make is we get detailed of what it should look like, but then it's so detailed, it's you know, a twenty-five page document almost that no one's ever going to read. Therefore, it's very difficult to explain out. Yeah. So, how detailed do you get? I don't need to share the detail of it, but how detailed do you get, and how do you get people to understand and take? I want to engage in it. 
with the team well, with, in relation with, with to team members, with yeah. the team members. Yeah. I mean, I think it is. I mean, it's a bit like the principles of uh, uh, you know, go back to Disney with the you know yeah. the, 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 those principles. It's just keeping it simple. It's a sort of a one pager. It is you know the guest contact. You know, making going out your way to make the, the, the you know the guest contact. Having those points of contact throughout the journey as well, not just on the way in, yeah. but on the way out, during, you know, that's what's really important, you know. And also the subliminal messages around, you know, staff knowing how they behave, um, you know, where customers go, you know, when they're coming in and they subliminally seeing things that are going on to make sure that people are keeping busy, keeping things stocked up, smiling, you know, being happy in their work. We, we spend yeah. a lot of time on that. Now, a question that I've asked on several podcasts in the past is, and I, it was a rhetorical, I've been, been talking to an MD or COO, and you're talking about the business strategy, the growth strategy, and then I might ask questions along the lines of, so what's the leadership strategy of the organisation? And often I get these kind of completely blank looks, like, oh, should we have one of those type look? And I know that Sean is someone who is, is a passionate developer of people. Um, anyone who follows him on LinkedIn, and it's well worth doing, by the way, you often see him posting about a great a promotion, um, I recently saw you at an event where you were handing out, I think it was copies of Lee Cockrell's book, actually. Yeah, as an yeah, event. yeah. Uh, So you seem to, dare I say, lead from the front when it comes to leadership development and, and developing your next generation of leaders. Absolutely. Is that true, would you say? Or yeah. talk about some of the things you do to develop the next generation? Yeah, so so we do we do a number of things, actually. And, um, you know, I don't sort of manage just remotely from the office. We have, um, you know, formal tours at the cinema where I will go around once a year with the with the leadership, the regional leadership team yeah. and the management teams will present. And But not just the management teams. There'll be the staff, there'll be the apprentices that are coming through. Wow. They'll all play a little bit of a part in it, you know, and then... For us and for the regional teams, it's a big chess game. You know, it is a case of who is coming through the ranks, who are going to be our next, yeah, you know, leaders coming through. Um, so we spend an awful lot of time touring cinemas, you know, walking the walk, looking at the standards, looking at the looking at where we can improve, and also touching base with the teams to see where we think us as the leadership team are getting it wrong. You know, what okay. what is changing in the environment that is causing causing them to not be able to deliver the service expected of them. And it could be little things. It could be a, you know, a process or a procedure that maybe isn't relevant anymore. So we have our own um, team, uh, which is a you know, combination of managers uh, and, and team members that looks at things like procedures and policies and the relevance of them, whether we need to introduce them or remove them. Mm. Um, so we do, we do lots of things like that. We've also got our Be More um, programme. So this is where management teams from a junior level can work their way up to become a general manager and a regional manager. Um, so, so there's a clear leadership structure for those that, who really want to remain in the business that can really work their way through the teams. But as always, one of the challenges we face um, in this sort of business is, is people getting to move. You know, a lot of people like to live where they live, yeah. and, and sometimes for us, we've only got 102 sites in the UK, so sometimes that can be a challenge, um, you know, for people having to up sticks, but those that are able to uh, relocate, there's obviously more opportunity to mm. do so. And as a business, again, my previous career, I had exactly the same problem. People talk about wanting to get promoted, yes, but only if it's locally. Uh, uh, and, and, yeah. and there's genuine reasons for that, family reasons, except yeah. lots of anchors, career anchors, I used to call them, that would hold them in, in, in place. Is there opportunity for people because of the size of the organisation globally to move as well? So oh, that, absolutely. Is that an attractive reason to yeah, join? Yeah, so for example, uh, when we bought Regal Cinemas, 
So my uh, ops director now has moved over to Regal. He looks after the east coast of America, uh, so New York all the way down. Um, he's really enjoying that. My uh, operation projects manager has gone to the US now to help with their construction uh, team. Um, so we've had a number of people that have, have, have moved over. We've taken the best practice from the UK and taken it over to the US. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the, I think you call them regional managers. I, I'm assuming that's the manager of managers. Uh, that's it, role. so they look after the general managers basically. So we've got eight of those. So we've got right. eight regions across um, Cineworld. And then we've also got a Starbucks division as well. So we've got really, you know, quite a considerable um, Starbucks uh, uh, community now within our cinemas as well. So we have a separate sort of division that operates them as well. I see. So what would you say are some of the challenges, and maybe you've touched upon them already to be fair, mm. Sean, but some of the challenges that the regional managers face in their kind of multi-site responsibilities? Again, I think one of the bigger ones is because we, we are very, very keen to sort of promote from within it. Again, it's... It's movement of people. Yeah. So it's so for us, it's you know we, we do provide you know relocation and we and we we encourage people to move. And I think one of the biggest frustrating things for us is where you see that, where you see something in someone and you think, oh my goodness, these people could be so much better and deliver so much more if we just move them to Leicester Square or Wandsworth or, yeah. or somewhere, and they would thrive in that. But sometimes it's getting people to believe in themselves that they're capable of it. Mm. Um, um, that's also been a challenge. So the amount of times where we've been to the cinema, we think, well, you're perfectly capable. Why are you questioning yourself? What is it that's holding you back? We have yeah. lots of conversations like that. So we like to take people out of their comfort zone occasionally yeah. to push them and then see them thrive. You know, it's, 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 it's brilliant. Do you think, I mean, you remind me, we, before we started recording our podcast today, we talked a little bit about Stephen Covey. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I know one of the things I'm going to misquote him now, but leadership is the ability to make other people see yes. their own ability and yeah, give them absolutely. confidence. Yeah. Do you see that's a big part of the regional manager's job then? Absolutely. Yeah, they, they have. And I'm very fortunate that I've got quite a, a, a you know, long-standing regional management team. They've all started in cinema or Blockbuster, actually. <laughs> oh, uh, really? Some, yeah, yeah. Many of them have started with Blockbuster. Um, and yeah, and they they've all been through the uh, you know the speed of trust course, for yeah. example. So they know they know what's expected, and they need to be demonstrating to me that they're bringing people through the teams. You know, they're bringing people through the ranks. Mm. Um, and I'm really proud to see that we've got such a good legacy of that. I give you a really good example, actually. So even 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 at the head office stage, so you know we had a lovely lady who a young 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 lady that joined us, and she worked in administration. But we found she had an engineering degree, but loved loved the cinema, loved the environment. She's yeah. now in the US building cinemas for us. Wow. So, you know, we encourage people to, um, you know, work to their strengths and, uh, you know, contribute to the business in other ways that they maybe didn't initially intend to. Yeah. My conference uh, that we did last year was called Building Belonging. And the reason why we did that is we wanted to recognise the contribution that people make in the business that maybe aren't directly, it might not actually be their area of expertise, but can contribute to the wider good of the business. So, th so this was our sort of area this year that we focused on, getting people to sort of contribute more to the business that they may have been experts in separately, but it wasn't their core role. And uh, that's worked really, really well for us this year. I would imagine, again, part of that loyalty piece and, and sense of belonging is, okay, I'm doing my core job over here, but I have an interest in this, and I may have been able to contribute to that. Exactly right. Business. Exactly right. That, so, yeah. so, so one of the one of the good things that we do with our regional managers, for example, so each regional manager, although responsible for an area, yeah. will be a, a champion in something, and it will be different to what they usually do. 
and it gets mixed around each year. So it really yeah. gets, sort of gives them additional experience. It keeps them fresh, yeah. keeps them sharp. Um, yeah. I uh, absolutely endorse that. One of the things when we're talking with, with uh, developing regional managers, I talk about the idea of thinking of your GMs and making them more subject matter expert in a topic. Maybe it's inventory control, customer experience, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. And getting them to go out there, find out what other companies do, go on the internet, etc., do some courses. Yeah. And then every three months, each person, they present back to that, their team. Exactly what uh, we do. Uh, and then yeah. you move, yeah, rotate around. Rotate around. Yeah. yeah. Love exactly it. what we do. Now, <laughs> there's that phrase, I don't know who said this, but leaders are readers. And we, we, we can't mention Lee Cockrell's books. We've mentioned Lee already. So if there's a, a one or two books that you've read that you think sum up your leadership philosophy or a challenge your leadership philosophy, perhaps, yeah. what would some of those leadership books be you'd oh, recommend? Right. Okay. So... A huge, vast collection. I think the Stephen Covey books are all excellent. Yeah. Um, um, just well, I'm just reading the uh, Ride of My Life now. The uh, yeah, the Bob Iger book, which right, is yes. another really yeah. good sort of operator. You know, started at the bottom, worked your way up, sort of book. Uh, I love stories like that. But equally, yeah. uh, oh, <laughs> so I, many. I know. I caught you on the spot. Oh, here. you caught me on the on the spot here. Um, the Bob Biger one is, and I like those because it's their life story. They are stories, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. It just feels a little bit more, not real, maybe it's a bit unfair, but it feels real, authentic, because it obviously is someone's uh, background story. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, going, going back to Lee, why we perhaps were both yeah. uh, taken taken by his book, his first book, Creating Magic. Um, I've just finished, I'm actually a real late one for me. I just finished the... Um, I've just gone through it my head. Start with why. I've reread that oh, again. Yes, and then yeah, find yeah, your yeah. why. Because find your why is your right. kind of how-to guide yeah. to how you found your why. Yeah. Um, to throw it at you now, what would you say is, if someone said to you, what's the purpose of Cineworld? If, if Cineworld didn't exist, why would somebody create it? What would your sort of answer to that be? Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's about creating, you know, magical memories, you know, where people don't just remember the film that they watched, but they remember how they felt when they went to watch that film. Mm. And they remember about the service that was delivered. They remember the ambience. They remember the, you know, the whole experience. That's that's the difference. It's not just the cinema. What would you say are your big objectives for twenty twenty in broad brush terms? What what did you want to succeed in a year's time? December twenty, you're sitting yeah. here. We did this. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Well, we've got a new cinema opening uh, next year in Hounslow. Uh, Ooh, we're good. also looking at another opportunity as well, which may fall into next year. But then. We, we, we are opening more into 2021. So next mm. year for us is going to be more about continuing our uh, robust refurbishment plan. So we're going into you know, the older cinemas, completely renovating them, sometimes pulling them down, adding extensions as well yeah. in some cinemas. So we're moving into the territory of you know, adding on IMAX screens, for example, um, and extending cinemas to, to do the office. So there'll be a lot of that next year. Um, we're also looking again at our unlimited offer. How do we enhance that offer again for the customer mm. to, to to give them more value from the experience as well? Um, and again, and like I said, you know, we, it's around the customer experience side is going to be a massive focus for us in twenty twenty, and also the synergies between US UK. Uh, we've got a lot of back of house things going on at the moment, you know, with finance systems and and, and pieces that we're trying to get the best of. Best of the UK into the America and the best of America into the UK. We brought in uh, Icy this year from the US, it's, uh, which is our frozen drinks offer. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> um, 
absolutely huge in America, yeah. completely unknown in the UK. Um, that went down extremely well, really, really positive move. So, so these are some of the examples of things that we can um, sort of both share. It is amazing, isn't it? I remember going to cinema, for, I think the first time I went to cinema in the US, yeah. wanting to eat popcorn and being looked at as if I just landed from Mars. <laughs> obviously they don't do that. That's and right. ice cream isn't yeah. really big in American cinemas. And you can get like a Hagenbaugh stick bar or something. Yeah. In terms of like the Ben and Jerry's offer, yeah. uh, Baskin Robbins, or wherever it may be, it tends not to be in American cinemas. So yes. I, I do like my ice cream when I go to see a movie. Um, two final questions. Is there any, if there's one tip that you would give someone in your kind of role leading the operational team in a people-led business, yeah. what would that one outstanding tip be? Yeah, so for me, it would be absolute clarity of what your expectations are. Making sure you've had feedback of the understanding of that clarity of what your expectations are. Consistency then throughout. Consistency and support is absolutely, I think, crucial. You, you, if you... If you start going up and down, if you start changing the ways of you doing things, it never works. I've seen it go horribly wrong so times, but the, the where I've seen it success all the time is, is is through consistency and setting those standards, setting those expectations very, very clearly, but equally making sure everybody actually understands those and getting them to confirm back to you that they understand what's expected. It just makes conversations later down the road much easier. Couldn't agree more. I think so often leaders think, oh, I've said it, therefore they've understood that, it. Absolutely. And alas, that's very rarely the case. But sometimes you need to reinforce it as well. Yeah. You know, so sometimes you might need to go over things again, um, you know, periodically, just to, just to make sure everybody's back onto the same yeah. level as well. And also, again, in any people industry, uh, hospitality sector is no different. Yeah. The turnover of staff, there's always new people joining. Yes. So you have got to constantly, when I talk about purpose and mission and vision and values, you never tick the box on that one in my view. You keep yeah. coming back to it. Yes. To have to talk to new people as well as reinforce for existing members. Absolutely. Yeah. So the last question, you're going to hate me for this one, but if you could go back in time, I yeah. always ask this, to the younger Sean, oh my God. is there a piece of advice you'd give him that from a management you know, leadership perspective? Oh, it doesn't have to be management I, leadership. It could be any bit of No, advice. you're absolutely right, actually. I think one of, I, I unfortunately fell into that gap of, you know, I was from a town in North Wales that, you know, I hadn't been out of real. I still thought the earth was flat, etc. <laughs> and opportunities came around when I was sort of 17, 18, where um, I could, I had the opportunity to go to Blackpool and other places and to London. And I regret not taking those opportunities now. I've been very fortunate that I've caught up and, uh, you know, I've been given them in a later life. But I do regret. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I would say to new people coming in is, you know, think of it as an investment. You know, six months of going to work in another cinema, the experience it will give you, the opportunity to reinvent yourself, learn from the mistakes that you've made, and then move on to your next stage is absolutely priceless. And you get to work with movie stars all day. And you day. get to work with movie stars all day. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Sean, thank you very much for your time today. It's been absolutely humiliating. And if it's okay, we'll put your LinkedIn details into the show notes. So if anyone wants to follow you, please yeah, you know, of course. go ahead and do so. I would recommend yeah. it. And I think you'll get some inspiration from Sean in the weeks and months ahead with some of the great things that they're doing to develop the people and to develop the business. Yes. Absolutely. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks, Liam. Have a great Christmas. 
Listening back to the episode, I realised just how much I enjoyed meeting with Sean. And I think there was uh, several obvious things here. Yeah, okay, the, the product, movies, I, I love. But Sean's passion for what he does and his people um, is absolutely shining through. We didn't talk about purpose until later on in the episode. But I think that was one of the things that actually listening back was a thread all the way through. This idea that we want movies, which you can watch on laptops, TV screens, tablets these days. Movies should be watched in the cinema as the best experience and that Cineworld wants to be the best at what they do and provide that for their customers. The importance of creating the atmosphere, now technological innovation, 4DX, uh, the Screen X that uh, Sean described, these are all important aspects, but absolutely it's down to, of course, the people, the customer experience and staff engagement. It was interesting to see how absolutely intrinsic they are and how connected they are. Um, I thought his definition of operational excellence and again how important it is to get that to hire the right people is so refreshing to hear people say the focus is on recruiting the right person and then I thought engagement was the other big takeaway for me uh, so many organizations begin and end engagement as a survey and I think whether it's the friends and family screenings the way they get people into project groups to work on uh, perhaps are things fit for purpose new processes helping people to become uh, involved subject matter experts and how he leads from the front from the point of view of development were all real great fascinating things to hear from Sean hope you've enjoyed again this episode of multi-site masters uh, if you can please do leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you've listened to this episode tell your friends uh, it's always good to share and lastly thank you as ever uh, to Sam Walsh for producing this episode until next time take care and speak to you all soon